The Commercial Real Estate Show is an informative radio program for thought-provoking enlightenment. The show, nor the station, host, or guests through this show audio are providing legal, accounting, or other fiduciary advice. For representation to suit your specific requirements, engage an experienced professional familiar with your company, property sector, and market area. For recommendations to professional providers to suit your endeavors, you're invited to contact the host at CommercialRealEstateShow.com. Enjoy. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. You know, it's a special time in commercial real estate. The slow segmented recovery coupled with low interest rates and little to no construction has opened a window of opportunities for users, investors, and advisors. Well, today we will open and look into one of those windows, the industrial real estate sector. We will talk with some respected industry participants about their view of the current market, what they expect to see moving forward, and areas of opportunity. Let's start with a third quarter update and a view of the market with another respected industrial industry professional, Renee Sirk, Director of Research, PPR, a CoStar company. CoStar conducts expansive ongoing research to produce and maintain the largest and most comprehensive database of commercial real estate information. Renee, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Always happy to be back. Well, thank you, Renee. And let's start with uh, a look at the industrial sector. How has it performed year to date? And did the third quarter bring any new, uh, new exciting numbers? You know, your leading actually summed it pretty well. You know, you've, we've had the U.S. economy growing at about 2% for most of the recovery, and that hasn't made a huge dent in the total employment figures. But you know what? It actually has been a significant impact on the world of industrial real estate. Uh, so let me give you a few little nuggets here. We've had 13 quarters of positive, improving fundamentals. Over that time, about 256 million square feet has been absorbed. Now, that's about half of Atlanta or Dallas, so that's pretty amazing. And uh, of that, about 79 million square feet has been absorbed so far this year during the first three quarters. And that is about 80% increase, 80% increase from last year. So all we need is about 3 million square feet in the fourth quarter of this year, And 2013 will end up ahead of 2012. And we are actually forecasting that number to be a lot closer to 30 million square feet in the fourth quarter. So this will be a a pretty good year. Now, to highlight the third quarter itself, about 33 million square feet of absorption, which is the second best quarter of the 13 in the recovery. The best was 38 million square feet at the end of last year. So what has this done? Well, it's driven vacancies down to about 7.9%, which is about 60 BIPs improvement this year and about 260 basis point improvement from from the peak. And, you know, when you have uh, uh, minimal construction, improving fundamentals, what happens? Well, rents go up. And we we have rents up about 3.8% year over year. And even better news is that of the 54 largest metros that we cover, 45% of them are showing rents growing. So that's pretty much very widespread. Okay, and is the trend that it's improving more, you know, right now this year than than years past? Uh, are we headed for good times here based on the trend? Yes, definitely. Uh, the 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 trend is positive, and uh, and rent costs will only accelerate. I mean, rents are still down. Uh, rents are still down, probably fifteen percent or so for the smaller buildings. Uh, they are down a lot less, but still down about maybe five percent for for the for the better buildings. 
So there's still more legs to this recovery. Okay. And what do you see for vacancy and, and rates in the various industrial property types? Uh, like, a, or for instance, is a warehouse doing better than the rest? What do you see there? Well, you know, this recovery was mostly about the big boxes when it started, but that is no longer the case. Uh, we track about 1,200 submarkets, and if you look at the third quarter, about 60% of them saw improvements in the light industrial segment. I'm talking about buildings smaller than 100,000 square feet or so. And uh, the vacancies there are 7% for the smaller buildings. So that's better than the 7.9% um, overall. Now, the mid-size segment, uh, you know, the 250 to 500,000 square feet, those are still the buildings that are in double-digit vacancies, 10.3%, but very, very nice improvement. And then the really, really large buildings, the million square foot plus vacancies there are just around the national average, about 8.2%, also an improvement. And really, that's where we are starting to see the real tightening in terms of the number of blocks that are available or vacant um, on the market uh, currently. Okay. We're talking with Renee Sirk with CoStar. And Renee, what about uh, your crystal ball? If you're looking at crystal ball and you look ahead next year and the year after, what do you expect for performance moving forward? Well, we really expect the economy to continue to improve. If you think about the, if you con- you think about the 2013-12, the, the government's been a pretty significant drag on growth. That will no longer be the case, uh, as most of the sequestration uh, actually occurs in this year. And so we expect uh, the overall economic activity to improve, and therefore we also expect the fundamentals, demand for industrial space to improve. Now, there's a huge caveat to that. And the primary reason why, why vacancies have been falling as much as they have is because of the lack of construction. If you think about vacancy of 7.9%, the last time vacancy was this low, which is you know, five, six years ago, there was about 160 million square feet under construction at that point. Today, that number is 46 million square feet. So that's about almost four times less then the, 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 the vacancy of 7.9% could potentially justify, um, you know, judging based on history. And so that is not really going to be the case forever. Uh, we expect, we expect uh, construction to continue to increase. So we are seeing about another four, five, six quarters of demand outpacing supply. And then by the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, the tables will turn and supply will start to outpace demand. So we have about 50 bips, 50 basis points of improvement to go still. And after that, uh, supply will, well, as it tends to do in industrial, it will take over and, uh, and vacancies will start to rise. So we have about one good year ahead of us. Okay, so we can do the Snoopy dance next year then. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, is onshoring and, and manufacturing uh, a part of the positive news of industrial real estate in the U.S.? You know, I don't really see it having a huge direct impact. If you really think about this onshoring thing, it, a lot of it has to do with cost, and a lot of it has to do with energy. So the primary beneficiaries are going to be the heavy industries, you know, the chemicals. And I don't really see investors owning chemical plants. So the, the impact will be more secondhand. It, will, it does have a positive impact on the economy, it does have a positive impact on jobs, which essentially lifts all boats. But I don't really see driving 
direct demand for industrial. What is a lot more important is actually trade. And so the one aspect of this onshoring is nearshoring. And if you think about goods, instead of coming to the U.S., actually coming to Mexico and the goods being imported from Mexico versus on these large ships coming from uh, Southeast Asia and China, then the world of industrial would change. Because if you think about it, the goods are right now mostly coming through Port of L.A. And, and Long Beach. And that has driven demand for industrial real estate in that area tremendously over the last decade. Now, if these goods were to start coming more from Mexico, well, most of them would be going up the NAFTA highway into Texas. Well, that would change the distribution pattern within the United States. And I can't say it's happening yet, but what I can say is that Mexico is gaining market share from from China in certain segments, even key segments like toys. I mean, toys have been for decades now associated with China. So it is it is pretty interesting time out there. Yeah, it is. Well, what are some of the other drivers that are powering the industrial market now and, and moving forward? So in addition to trade, the there isn't really a new driver, but, but a driver that's been lying dormant and it's picking up pretty quickly, and that's the housing industry. Um, housing was a boat anchor on the economy, on the industrial market, but now that's no longer the case. And that is also why we are seeing a recovery in the light industrial segment. That's the segment that gets most impact and, and demand for is most Im, uh, dependent on the health of the housing industry. And this, uh, the housing industry still has legs. I mean, we are starting to hear of, of it cooling out there, but that's more on the pricing in terms of construction. That boom is still yet to come. Uh, as the country continues to grow, even though uh, in terms of population, even if there is recession. And so that is going to be the segment that is going to see the greatest uptick over the next year or so. And that's going to help the smaller buildings, right? The buildings under 100,000 square feet? Absolutely. We started seeing it uh, this year already, and it, we expect it to accelerate uh, in 2014 and 15. Okay. And we're short of the break, but there are certain areas of the country that you expect uh, a better performance improving uh, next year? Well, I think the, the one of the more interesting areas is sort of the Lehigh Valley, Harrisburg segment of the country. Uh, I would call that sort of the the inland empire of the of the East, uh, driven by the imports coming into Port of New York uh, uh, and New Jersey, and we are starting to see significant interest in that in that area by large institutions, whether it's developers, whether it's investors, and that that segment is is going to do uh, probably better than uh, than uh, it historically has. Um, okay. We're actually seeing a slowdown, on, on the other hand, in, in areas like the Inland Empire. Okay. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk to Renee about cap rates and investment market sales. I'm Michael Bull. You're listening to The Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800 408 Bull. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, last week we interviewed Mitch Rochelle and Andy Warren, both with PwC, about the PwC and ULI Emerging Trends Report for 2014. If you want an idea of what to expect in commercial real estate next year, be sure to check out that show. Well, there are lots of interesting shows to choose from. Grab your phone, tablet, or computer. Visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. 
Well, today we're discussing the U.S. industrial market. My guest is Renee Sirk with CoStar. And Renee, let's talk about the investment market, the capital markets. Uh, how did the investment world, industrial real estate, uh, perform uh, year to date for sales volume and uh, cap rates through the third quarter? You know, it's been it's been strong. Um, if you focus uh, at the warehouse segment, so you know the more institutional segment. Um, from the peak, we are still down about 13%, but uh, we are significantly up, more than double up from, from, from the bottom of the market. For, and for volume, right? This is in terms of investment volume. Yeah, right. Now, if you look at actually in terms of square feet, which is very interesting, we are at new highs. Mm-hmm. So if you think 2007 was irrational exuberance and you think mm-hmm. uh, what was trading then was not normal, we are trading uh, 5 to 10% more square feet than we were trading then. It's just pricing is still down. And so in total volume, it's, 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 it's down. But, uh, but there's huge, huge interest. And if you ask about cap rates, well, I could say in some respects, they are nearly scary. Uh, you can see cap rates on the average being about 6.5%, which is not all that bad. But if, but if you look at the Class A buildings in Class A locations, uh, you know, we have, we've seen trades in the force the inland empire 4.4 percent is the lowest cap rate i've seen um on a stabilized long-term lease and if you look at markets like dallas chicago houston you know those cap rates are in the fives so those are very low cap rates yeah they sure are well what do you expect for cap rates moving forward in uh, 2014 renee well that's a good question i think everybody would want to know including <laughs> me but <laughs> but if you if you sort of take a step back and there's several factors at play here uh there's more capital coming in uh, most of our clients are either raising money uh, and uh, the REITs are their ATMs and dealer networks. Uh, the multifamily sector is actually slowing, and that investment volume is down about 14% year over year. And there's just not a lot of sellers in the market. I mean, anecdotally, for example, there really wasn't any significant institutional quality sale in the Inland Empire in the third quarter, and that's not because there were no, no buyers. It's that there were no sellers. So mm-hmm. all of these factors are driving cap rates down. So what I would expect that in the best markets, they'll probably stay where they are. But in the secondary markets, where more and more capitalists trying to fan out, uh, cap rates actually have room to compress. Okay, well, that's interesting. Well, that should uh, pick up transaction volume for those type properties, shouldn't it? Absolutely, and we're already seeing it. Capital is indeed fanning out. Okay, and how much of these industrial property sales are are users or owner-occupants versus uh, investment sales? You know what? That's really not uh, a huge segment of the market. If you look at manufacturing buildings, if you look at the R&D flex buildings, uh, you know, like the Google, Intel, Apple-type campuses, that there it happens quite a bit. On the institutional quality warehouse distribution size, it, it really it doesn't. Only 1% of total user activity uh, in the third quarter went to those distribution buildings. And if you look at both sides of the equations, uh, buy, uh, users have been both buyers and sellers. They've been very, very slight, maybe to the, to the tune of 5% of total active in net buyers uh, so far this year. So it's pretty much, a, pretty much a wash. That's interesting. So has that changed at all from past years, or is it about the same percentage of sales? You know, it's, it, it, on the warehouse side, it doesn't change much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's the little guys that tend to buy their own buildings if they can to get the small business administration loans. But it takes a lot of those transactions to add up to one Blackstone deal or something like that. So it's, it's never been, in the aggregate, as big of a deal as, uh, as some may make it sound. 
Yeah. Well, a question on a lot of people's mind uh, today is how rising interest rates over time could affect cap rates uh, when uh, people are reselling these properties down the road. You guys look at this the market every day in a, in a big way in all types of properties. What do you expect there? Well, that is a very good question. In fact, it's probably the most important question um, in terms of the commercial real estate industry right now. Now, based on our research, there is definitely a relationship between interest rates and, and, and cap rates. And depending on what time frames you look, you, we, can, we see about 67 basis points of, a, of an interest rate increase translating into cap rates. So if, for every 100 basis points increase in interest rates, cap rates tend to go up about 67 basis points. But there's one more caveat to this, which is, which is driving cap rates down, and that is usually when interest rates are rising, they're rising because the economy is doing okay. And when the economy is doing okay, spreads, risk spreads, actually come down. And so we are going to have these two offsetting factors, interest rates rising into the future, pushing cap rates up, and the risk spreads, or concept of risk, you, you, you may remember in 2007, went completely out the window. Well, we don't expect it to go that crazy, but, but spreads will come in, and that will actually help cap rates hold a lot more in place than just the pure look at the interest rates themselves would suggest. Okay. Well, that would suggest that commercial real estate is still a safe bet uh, for risk and, and for cap rate adjustments down the road. And we're talking with Renee Sirk with CoStar. And Renee, where might investors look for opportunities in the uh, industrial market? Well, you can sort of interpret that question two ways. One is geography and one is market segment. In terms of geography, the market is becoming quite efficient. And um, there are no hidden gems out there, especially if you are limiting yourself to markets that offer liquidity. If you think about, can I get out you know, five, five years out, let's say. So in terms of that, there really isn't much uh, to tell. But if you look at a market segment, there is still a pretty interesting opportunity in that light industrial area. So that recovery has started just this year, pretty much, and has a lot more legs, as we just talked about, it, because of the housing industry. And uh, also, those buildings are trading at a, at a pretty significant discount. Now, if I was sitting in this chair a, a year ago, I would have told you that that discount is 25% to replacement cost. Now, that's tremendous. Mm-hmm. This year has been pretty strong in this segment, and that discount has been washed down to about 10%. So they're still trading at a lot more significant discount to replacement cost or long-term trend pricing than the big buildings. But I think fear that this window is going to shut down pretty quickly. So, so if uh, anybody's listening and interested, they got to move fast. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's a good window to buy now while those prices are still below replacement costs. And you've got uh, good interest rates. Well, we're close on the end of the segment here, but uh, can you give a, a tip for our listeners related to the industrial market? Well, instead of a tip, I'll, I'll give them a word of caution. And, and that is um, this e-commerce uh, buildings that Amazon's building uh, in somewhat random places, uh, if you if you think, uh, they are creating investment tempting investment opportunities in markets like Richmond. But it is very important to think about those as in who is going to be my next tenant. I think it's a safe assumption that that Amazon will leave after the the first year uh, first lease, or maybe they'll extend for another five years. But I think a prudent underwriting would suggest that you you assume that they leave that they leave. <laughs> And who is going to lease that million square foot building in Richmond, or rather two million square foot building in in Richmond after that? Renee Sirk, thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for more industrial real estate intel. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. 
The Commercial Real Estate Show has advertising opportunities for your business. If your company is in a business related to commercial real estate, there is no better advertising, bang for your buck, than the Commercial Real Estate Show. For information on advertising opportunities, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. You know, each week here, we focus on a topic of interest to business owners, investors, and real estate professionals. Be sure to catch topics of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about industrial real estate. We have two special guests joining us now in Studio One. Please welcome Sim Dowdy, president of King Industrial Realty, specializing in industrial real estate brokerage with offices in Georgia, Florida, and an affiliation with Corfax International for local, national, and international reach. Sim, thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Michael. We've known each other so long, I can't remember when we didn't know each other. <laughs> so right. it's always great to see you. Thank you. Also, please welcome Summy Orr, managing partner, Hart Hartman Simons, a law firm built around all levels and areas of expertise that clients need and expect when dealing with commercial real estate. Zombie, thanks for joining us today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I like how you guys just concentrate on commercial real estate. You know, you just have that confidence that, well, you guys must know it. That's what you do, right? Well, you know, it's one of those things where you try to pick something that you think you're relatively good at and, uh, and do that and nothing else. And it yeah. uh, seems to be working for us. It it wasn't quite as much fun from 2007 to 2010, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's uh, it certainly picked up since then. You know, I've tried to do that in commercial real estate and radio, and I don't know about the radio part. Right? <laughs> um, well, let's talk about the industrial market from a, a participant and broker's uh, view. Uh, Sam, what do, what do you think about the industrial market you know you're you're dealing with it every day you're not just analyzing it you're in it every day what do you see for activity and absorption well that's a great question it really depends on where you are i mean if you're in houston or dallas or or la i mean they're just blasting along mm-hmm. uh their vacancy rate in, in la is like four or five percent i mean they're just killing it uh if you're looking at chicago or atlanta we're a little bit farther behind because of the that just we have so much vacancy that we have to burn through uh and so but we've all turned the corner uh, i was recently at a corfac uh, convention where they uh, polled everybody and we're covering 60 markets five markets were flat everything else had an error going up so everything's positive right now and this increase in activity how's it affecting uh, your your business some well, you know, it's interesting. It's uh, it's great. I mean, we're all so happy that uh, that people are busy uh, and and there's a lot of activity. But it has really started to create a a true compression within not just the legal business, I think, but everybody who is supporting the commercial real estate business. I mean, you know, you have accountants, surveyors, uh, engineers, contractors, everybody who, for a period of three or four or five years, really had very little to do, and so you wind up letting people go, and not just letting people go, you wind up not hiring new people. So as the market heats up, if it heats up faster than you can staff uh, to keep up with that, then you have a lot of compression and clients are calling saying, hey, let's get this done, let's get it done tomorrow. And you're like, look, I got a list of 15 tomorrows and they're not all gonna come. <laughs> and so it's, it's, uh, it's tough. And it's also happening in the construction world, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Same kind of thing where, yeah. where clients are calling saying, hey, we're ready to go again. and cl- 
companies are saying, hey, we, we're dying to, to continue to be your service provider, but we don't have the staff we had five years ago when we were blowing and going yeah. with you. So we're going to have to, you're going to have to give us a little bit of time to ramp back up. Well, at my firm and Sim, at your firm, we have the capacity, right? We can help. <laughs> <laughs> we do. And my clients always want it yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, what, a, <laughs> what is driving uh, the, the, the power of this industrial market out there? What, what types of tenants and, and businesses are, are driving this demand, Sim? Really, it's been four really types. Uh, first one is the mom and pop coming back to the marketplace. They, they were gone. And so uh, I don't know if they moved back to their house or wherever they did, but they were gone. Uh, that's a huge driver right now. Those and also the 100,000 big box and above, that's probably two-thirds when you go to the regional markets, two-thirds of what's being leased and sold. And then that's followed by e-commerce and also the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I mean, I think it, it takes sort of a composite of everything. If, if, if only the big box is coming back, then you're still not going to have the total recovery, and people really don't, don't start to feel the confidence that we really need to start moving ahead. And as, as all the little components start to fall into place, everybody starts to think, hey, this is, this is working, and I can quit worrying about – uh, am I making mistakes? Am I am I being too aggressive? And start worrying about how do I how do I get these deals done? Yeah, and as a, a, a law firm that just does commercial real estate, you're a, a bit of a barometer of what's going on there. You know, what type of work are you doing? Are you still doing any loan workout work? How's we uh, we are almost out of the uh, of the sitting across the table with everybody with a grim face and, and lose 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 all the way around the table. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think we're seeing a lot more positive deals. I mean, I think that's the majority of what we are doing now is you know buying selling leasing financing we're actually doing deals where lenders are lending money to industrial yeah, developers that's good uh, to uh, to build product and that's great and yeah. that's uh, that's a, a real sign that uh, that this isn't just a uh, a mythical uh, recovery that things are really happening. Yeah. So I guess you guys are out there hiring more lawyers and, and as well Absolutely. and growing the, we're, we, growing you the know, firms. We're, we've been uh, been ramping up with with you know on the at every level really partners, associates, paralegals, staff. It's uh, it's that's because that's what we do. You know, and, and anybody in the service business, whether you're a dry cleaner or a real estate lawyer, you're providing a service, and if you can't get it done the way somebody needs it done and as fast as they need it done they'll call somebody else so we've got to be there well i certainly like it that uh, you you focus one of the challenges we see is when clients hire an attorney and they're not full-time real estate attorneys and we have a problem well stay tuned for more on the industrial sector i'm michael bull this is the commercial real estate show we'll be right back does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, you're invited to check out Commercial Real Estate Show TV. Yeah, that's right. Visit YouTube and search for the channel Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're discussing the industrial real estate market with Sim Dowdy with King Industrial Realty and Summy Orr with Hartman Simons. And, and gentlemen, the type of activity you're seeing now, are you seeing mainly build-to-suit activity in the new construction? Or are you seeing any spec? Uh, well, Michael, it really depends on the markets. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to Houston, L.A., uh, Dallas, those markets are hot, so you're seeing a lot of spec building and also build-to-suits. 
you go to Chicago or Atlanta, uh, they're really more primarily uh, uh, build-a-suit markets because they're still working through all the vacancy. Uh, I can tell you just from the Atlanta standpoint, they built 24 build-a-suits the last couple of years, only two specs, and Chicago is much like that. Yeah. You know, and part of that, I think, is the fact that when you go through a recession, you weed out a lot of the more aggressive developers who wound up getting stuck with product or, or in stuck with a land bank. And so as you, as you ease out of a recession, you are, by definition, working with the more conservative developers. And they're looking at the market uh, and saying, you know, maybe not spec this year, maybe next year, maybe the year after. So you don't, you don't jump into spec right away, I think, because in part of that dynamic. Yeah, it certainly did weed out a lot of uh, developers of all types of properties. You know, it's interesting. I've been in uh, some downturns in the past that also weeded out brokers. <laughs> this one didn't weed out any brokers because they couldn't find jobs. <laughs> That's true. It wasn't anywhere from the go, so they just hung out, right? So it didn't thin out. Well, what about uh, e-commerce? We hear a lot about e-commerce and its effect on industrial real estate. You guys are doing it every day. What do you see? E-commerce is a major trend. Uh, Best Buy announced they're going to go with smaller retail footprints and larger distribution centers. Uh, Amazon's been the leader in this. Um, they've just they've been just been blasting along. And uh, there was an economist from Texas A&M that said when they had 50 million in no excuse me 50 billion in sales, they had replaced 128 regional malls. Now their sales are 60 billion. So does that mean they replaced 150 regional malls? I don't know. It's huge. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a big, big thing. I don't know what you've seen. Well, you know, yeah, and it's interesting because when uh, when e-commerce really became the thing, there were so many people saying, you know, that's really gonna gonna take commercial real estate under because you don't really need bricks and mortar, and and that of course makes no sense. Stuff's got to go somewhere, and what's happened is I think you've seen a lot more uh, industrial development as you see a lot of the big retailers say we've got to have these bigger rapid deployment centers. They've got to be closer to the, the major in, uh, uh, areas for commerce so that we can get product there more quickly. And you got you know Amazon that now delivering things in a day and a half a day. So that's uh, that's certainly going to affect commercial real estate, and it's going to mean that there are more opportunities for industrial developers to get out there and find. Uh, uh, buildings and deployment centers and things to uh, to get a part of. Well, internet sales have been eight to ten percent, depending on who you talk to, and it's going to go to probably thirty percent. And so these buildings, they have to build new buildings for them. They got to have extra parking. I mean, you go to Amazon.com, they got a thousand parking spots out there for their employees. Ceiling height's got to be higher because they got mezzanines and all those kind of things. So that's going to spur a lot of builder suits. So is there enough demand that? Uh, well, let me just get your comment on this. You, you uh, heard what Renee Serg said about his tip about the, some of these places where they're building these big centers mm -hmm. are kind of out of the way. It's not like they're real close to the major cities sometimes, right? Uh, what do you think about his concern that, hey, you want, might want to look at when that lease expires, what might happen to that big facility way out where it is? It's just like that uh, General, General Mills deal was built a million and a half square feet and out the social circle. Uh, you don't want that building coming back to you at the end of the life of the lease. Uh, but there's so many people chasing Class A-type deals uh, and if they're, if they're signing a 10-year lease, I mean, there's just so much money chasing those deals that they're buying it anyway. Yeah. And they're, they're not worrying about the, the exit, you know, who goes in there next. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the exit always is a, is a concern and the renewal risk. But I guess if what you're saying, is if Internet sales are going to increase that much, then there still should be demand for those for those spaces, right? So I guess that's what they're banking on. That's the bet. Right, and there's always going to be a need for good real estate in good locations, and real estate that's not in good locations is always going to have some questions around it. So you just, yeah. that, that puts hair on a deal that uh, that you'd rather not have. But uh, again, if you've got if you've got a reason to put it there to begin with, uh, a lot of times that'll drive the deal. 
Okay. Now let's talk about going green and lead certification and sustainability. It would seem that when uh, when there's turmoil in the market, maybe some of the tenants didn't want to pay f- for lead, and uh, now the market's coming back a little bit. What do you guys see when you're doing this transaction work every day? Yeah, prior to the capital markets meltdown in 2007, uh, everybody talked about wanting green, uh, but rental rates at the time were so high that they just really couldn't afford it in their budgets. Uh, so it was more lip service than anything else. Uh, then the capital markets melted down, uh, prices came down, and so all of a sudden people started going with the green initiatives and paying for it. Uh, the trend now is, uh, as rates start to increase, uh, they're actually building to the lead certification. They're just not getting the uh, the certification paid for. They're not paying the two or 300000 dollars for the fee and they were just building to the specs and getting the energy savings i've got a, i got a client that refers to that as uh, as wholesale lead they don't want to they don't want to pay retail for the lead but uh, they do want sort of the components of what makes their their building and their product more efficient and uh, and so it's a, it's a it's a wholesale so that's interesting so they are agreeing to pay the the higher rent or the higher build to suit cost uh, to to have it uh, the lead type of sustainability right they want it, their clients want it, and their, and their uh, employees want it. So it's, it's a win-win for everybody. And it's, and it's sort of a progression, I think. I don't know if you agree, Sim, but it seems like, you know, it, at first there was this notion of, gee, that's expensive, I don't want it. And now it's, hey, that's sort of expensive, but I do want some of it. And I think that as we get further and further down the path, uh, there may be more acceptance for, hey, there is some value in having that lead certification, and it will be uh, add some value to my product when I want to go to the market with it, and I want to do that. As so their, As their competitors go green? They, right. I think they have to. Right. Yeah. So we're we're at the break, but is it expensive for that extra certification? That last part can be can be very expensive. Yeah. Six figures and above. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to take a short break here, and we get back and talk more about the market and and we're talking about cap rates and investment markets. So stay tuned. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for sharing the show on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. We do very much appreciate it, and I bet your friends and followers do as well. Well, today we're discussing the industrial real estate market with Sim Dowdy and Summy Orr. Guys, if a company is looking for a new site in a certain region of the country, or maybe they're just looking for in anywhere in the U.S., what are some best practices for them to, to get that started and do it right? Oh, Michael, they, they really need to define what they're looking for first. I mean, a lot of people get off course because they just don't define what they really want. Uh, but then, you know, and they might even have a national broker, but they better have a local broker has that expertise and knows where all the property are, are know, the, know the market, and they know the local people, cities, counties, and states to get the incentives. So you really got to have a team to make sure it works out for everybody. And who else should be on that team, Sonny? I was going to go with lawyers. You need to turn <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I do think it's important to have – 
as Sim said, a a vision of what it is that you really want and need out of a, a new location, and then you then you need to pull together a team that can help you get there. And I think uh, I think obviously a lawyer is important, but I think a broker and a, and a broker who can help you negotiate through the uh, the incentive maze is really important because yeah. that's becoming more and more important to uh, to users out there as you get into the marketplace and think, wow, this makes a dramatic difference in the uh, in the bottom line in this particular real estate deal if we can get better incentives. And I think brokers can help you with that. Lawyers can help you with that. You see, I've seen too many times where a, uh, a tenant believes it's going to be entitled to an incentive only to read the fine print and think, gosh, we've got to commit to that, and we really can't commit that we can do X, Y, and Z in the next five years. So it's important to have a, a, a comprehensive team, I think. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And I think another thing that uh, if you have the right broker leading the team, I think one of the things that users don't think about is how much time all this takes. And you know, keeping things on a timeline, they're also running a business, and sometimes they can get off timeline. So I think that's another crucial part of, of success for a, a new location. Well, let's talk about functional obsolescence. You know, we've heard that some of these buildings, everybody wants higher ceilings, and uh, uh, so you've got some of these buildings with lower ceilings. What are people doing with these buildings that have some functional obsolescence? What are some other uses? Yeah, Michael, you don't want to be the one who has the uh, lower <laughs> ceiling building, I can tell you that. Uh, but you have to get creative. Well, these and, are seven feet now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I can put a church in here, Michael. I, you, know, I, you know, you have to get really creative. Uh, you'll see a lot of retail showrooms, that kind of thing, uh, gyms, churches, that kind of thing. But, I mean, you really have to get creative. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that a lot of times, uh, I think uh, owners are looking at these projects and saying, we may just tear this down and start over. We can't, the, the way the way use users are looking at our product, we can't make anything work out of this, and we will be better off in the long run if we tear this down and do something different. So how much do these incentive packages weigh on a decision for a user to locate in a certain area? Well, Michael, it's a great question. I have to tell you, it didn't used to be that important, but it is now. You can get free land. You can get free graded land. Free. Free. You, you can get utilities run to the site. You can get grants for a, a rail spur run in there. Uh, taxes, you know, 50% taxes on real estate for, you know, 10 years. A $3,500 credit per employee for, you know, five years. I mean, it adds up to a lot. And the biggest incentive really has to do with the states have chipped in now, and they'll help train your employees for you. You can imagine if 40 to 50 percent of your employees uh, that you interview can't pass the background check or the drug test. I mean, that's a huge savings for somebody with the states are doing. And, and, you know, the thing about it is it all goes back to knowledge. I mean, you have to know you don't get everything you ask for, but you don't get anything you don't ask for. So you got to know what it is that's out there to ask for it. And I think having brokers and advisors who can point you in that direction can really help. That's a good point. Well, Sim, Summy, thanks for joining us today, guys. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having us aboard. For more information from these guys, visit HartmanSimons.com, that's S-I-M-O-N-S, and KingIndustrial.com. Well, can you join us next week? We'll be looking at financing sources, rates, terms, underwriting, and share some tips for success in the current debt market. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by your friends at Bull Realty. 
France Media, Atlanta Office Liquidators, and Wiseman, Noack, Curry, and Wilco. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.